according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. You see that? He was able to perform what he, was, he had promised. We have promises in God. Christ says that by my stripes you are healed. We have promises to God. How many promises, Bunny, did, did you tape up for pastor to keep believing? Yeah, a whole bunch, right? There are promises for us. And I think even beyond just the ones that are written in the Bible. Let me rephrase that. That's not what I meant. Even beyond just, you know, taking the Bible and going through all the promises, as you're reading the word, God speaks to your heart about a promise in the Bible and says, pay attention. I want you to draw on this promise. As we go through the Bible, he will show you a promise. And if you're looking for what your father has for you, it's in there. There is a pro- There are promises that you can draw from. Anything in the word of God, he makes it alive to you through his spirit, by his grace. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. He is made righteous by God's promise and his faith. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. If you are constantly striving to be a better Christian because you think you're a dirty, rotten sinner, it's hard to have peace with God because you constantly think God's looking over your shoulder, ready to strike you down at any moment. I've had those thoughts. You know, I'm walking in this this area of my life where I shouldn't be. And I'm having the thought, God's ready to smack me down at any point. When God's actually standing over here going, come back over this way. Come over here. Come, Come dwell with me. Let's work this out. And you're saying, but God is so angry with me. He's trying to strike me down. How many of you had earthly fathers? If you're not raising your hand, this is just silly. You're not incarnate. There. <clears throat> I had an earthly father. My dad was a good guy. But there were a few times when he threatened to jump over that, that uh, kitchen counter and, you know, throw me over his knee and beat the tar out of me. There was a few times when I became a teenager, he threatened to fight with me because, boy, howdy, he was angry. And so as I go through life, sometimes I keep thinking God is ready to beat the tar out of me because I made him angry. But I got to tell you something. God's anger is against sin. He's not angry with you. He's ready to restore anyone who walks out of line. He's ready to refresh your very soul from all this worrying and striving you keep doing. He's available. He's as close as the mention of his name. Jesus. 
Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't do this on our own, folks. It was through the Lord Jesus. Through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the hope of the glory of God. Who's the hope of the glory of God? Say it louder. Say his name louder. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, see, I said he's as close as the mention of his name. He is our hope and he is our glory. Don't be shy. So wrapped up in verse one and two, it kind of brings this whole thing into focus. It says, and I said this already, but therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And I want to, I have um, redefined my understanding of grace a few times as, it, as he reveals more and more of it to me. And I want to read this to you. So I was, I was talking with God one day, and he told me that grace was the word charisma. And I was like, I just popped in my head. I'm like, I probably have heard this somewhere before. But it's so weird that God just totally spoke this phrase, this word. I'm like, is that true? I don't even know if that's true. So I went and looked in the Greek. And sure enough, one of the Greek words for grace is charisma. Or there's different, you know, variations as you uh, use it in different contexts and whatnot. But it's the root word is charisma. That word means the gift of grace. And the root word is charis, which means favor or leaning towards favorably. Okay, I, I think of this, and i am kind of got it a little backwards, but I think of John, the uh, apostle, leaning on Jesus' chest, the one that the Lord loved, you know. John said that about himself. Um, and this leaning towards. So I literally see God, he is leaning towards all of you. He's leaning towards, like he is favorable toward you. This is the favorable year of the Lord, right? Because we are in his grace. He is for you, not against you. We have so often had it in our minds. We believe the lie that says <clears throat> that, says that you know, God is out to get me. Or, you know, if I don't, if I'm not an absolute perfect person or I don't, you know, line up, measure up, then God's against me. But I'm telling you, God is for you. He's leaning towards you. He's not here. You're, there is not a cloud back here in the sky that says, I'm going to rain down torment on you, or I'm going to rain down depressive things, or, you know, I'm going to throw out all these. Yeah, bad things come, but it's not because there's some dark cloud above your head. God is for you. If you think for an instant that God is not for you, you start believing a lot of different lies. My dad... My dad had some, um, some bad things happen when he was young, younger. I, uh, I think he was probably four, 13 or 14. His, his dad was abusive. 
his stepdad stepped into the picture, basically kicked him out. He also was verbally abusive. Kicked him out of the house, told him, you go make it on your own. My dad had to go to get jobs and make his way in life. And then he got married, had a couple kids. Um, his four-year-old son, Daniel, hid in the bottom of a dresser drawer and the whole thing came and collapsed down on him. They found him dead. That was my dad's experience. And so he took to drinking and he would just go be reckless. He, he liked to get in Jeeps and just go run up in the mountains. And sometimes he'd do stupid stuff and he'd wake up the next day, you know, still alive. But his whole life kind of fell apart. He met my mom, gave his heart to Jesus, and things came around. He started to understand and believe truth. But the problem was, because of experience, he had this belief, and I read this in his notes after he had passed away. He had a little journal I was reading. And he just felt like he always had this dark cloud overshadowing him. I have felt that way in my life. I'm sure many of you have. We can relate. We felt that this dark cloud's following us, and that it's just trying to strike us down. But I gotta tell you, Satan will come against you. He will buff it. Sin is crouching at the door. But Christ didn't die so that we could focus on the crouching at the door and believe about this cloud. Christ died so that he could show you that he is leaning towards you. He is for you, not against you. He's explosive in action of his name. So, going on about grace. I, okay. <laughs> we all know that the Bible says that to live is Christ. We may even know that it says Christ is for Christ in us, the hope of glory. But to really define grace, you have to understand that it's not a descriptive term. Like you can describe running. It's when somebody runs. Okay. Grace is not something that's just a description of a word. It's not a description of some aspect of your life. Grace literally is Christ in us. It's his presence within us. It's a gift that comes with Christ. It's not a gift like when the Holy Spirit comes and brings a gift, he brings like a gift of speaking in tongues or he brings a gift of healing, laying on of hands. He, he brings a gift, you know, that, that's something Holy Spirit brings, right? But what Christ brings when he comes is this gift of grace, which is himself having accomplished what we could not accomplish in our lives. Grace is literally Christ in us having finished the work on the cross, accomplishing what we could not do ourselves. It's his presence within us, and it's a result of the fact that he already accomplished the full work of the gospel, and that fullness inhabits you and me. We now have favor with God through what Christ did for us and has now accomplished in us. In other words, it's his presence in us that, has already, that already did what we could not do because we were out of favor with God and powerless in this world without him. And it goes much deeper than just some thing we're given like a tool. It's literally the Lord in us. He is the hope and assurance of glory. You already have it, folks, because you already paid for it. You're not going to be able to do a doggone thing to be able to gain it. You already have it. 
because it's Christ in you. The Lord kept speaking a term to me three years ago. He kept saying, James, you already have everything you need within you. I kept going, God, I don't see that in my life. James, you already have everything you need within you. I'm here today to tell you what the Lord says. You have everything you need within you if you are his, and you are. He is everything. He has accomplished the work. Charisma, that word, is that gift poured out. It's Christ poured out, right? Car, the first part of that, reminds me of the word character, like a character, caricature, or more precisely, the image or glory of something that is bestowed within the vessel that receives the gift of the one who is himself the gift. So you have become, you are becoming the character of Christ because he lives within you, accomplishing and having accomplished what he did on the cross. He's doing it in you because he lives in you and you're beginning to look more and more like him. However, we have to rest in that knowledge. We have to know that we know that we know that Christ is accomplishing his purposes. If we try to get ahead of him, we oftentimes find ourselves striving to be a better Christian. We find ourselves in misery because we are getting ahead of what he's already accomplishing. And we are thinking outside of the mind of Christ, thinking that we are the ones who have to accomplish the work. That he has given us things that we will do. He has poured out his spirit so that we can do them. It's like he's telling you, like your, your boss comes to you and says, all right, so we want you to bake 30 dozen cookies and we're gonna give you all the ingredients. We're gonna give you a kitchen to cook it in. We're going to give you the recipe. We're also going to give you, you know, staff that can come assist you. And, um, we're actually going to come help you with it, too. So we need you to bake these cookies. This is your job. It's very important. If you don't do it, you know, then we just won't have a cookie. So God comes and he brings all the ingredients. He brings the recipe. He brings everything. Now, does that mean that we get to rest on our laurels and watch the staff and everybody can bake the cookies? Oh, heck no. We have to step into that grace we have to draw on his grace through faith and walk in what he has given us. We have to walk in the fullness of what he has given us and believe with all of our hearts what he has done in us, what he is doing in us, and what he has accomplished on the cross is already finished. Maybe we don't see it already finished in our lives. Maybe we still have occasion to, well, I just cussed my or maybe we have occasion to, well, I just totally chewed out that driver that just cut me off. It happens. But Christ is still accomplishing his purposes within you today and every day of your life. Believe it. Because that's the beginning. That is the foundation of our hope. Everything is built on Jesus Christ having accomplished it all. The works that we're given to do, the gifts that we're going to receive, the purposes, the everyday life, the stuff that comes, 
will all be built on whatever foundation you lie. And if you put a foundation of God is not for me, he's against me. Or if you build a foundation of believing the lies, then those aspects of your life are going to fall and topple over. And you're going to feel like a worthless person. You're going to feel like I never did anything in my life. You're going to feel like all these different things, lies we believe, right? I don't even want to go into those because we hear them every day. We don't need to hear them again. The lie always comes. But the truth is, you are who he says you are. You're more than a conqueror. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has poured out in our hearts and the Holy Spirit who was given to us by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. So once you have that foundation, Christ in me, the hope of glory, who has accomplished everything and is accomplishing through me. Tribulations will come. We're going to have tough times. We're going to have hardships. We're going to have things that happen in our world. There's going to be elections that, you know, we don't win favorably. There'll be others that we do. There'll be times when they take away our rights. There'll be times when they give us more rights. Tribulations will come. There'll be times when we don't have the money we need for whatever it is. But God has already taken care of your future. He's already got his eye on you, and he knows exactly what's coming. He knows that this tribulation is going to produce perseverance, because how are you going to persevere? Because you were stalwart and just persevered? No. Your hope is in him. That builds perseverance, because by golly, you figured out that Christ provided in that situation. And when you look back to previous tribulations, you're going to think, I can persevere this time. Because I already know what Christ did in me before and what he has already accomplished. And I know he's got this one taken care of too. And that perseverance builds that character. Because as you understand that Christ is taking care of you, you have a lot more joy and freedom. And that builds character in you. It builds the essence of Christ continues to pour out because you know that he's taking care of it. And that he is working through you. And that character brings hope. It's the hope that, well, Jesus said he paid it all and he's taken care of everything. Trials and tribulations came and I persevered because I believed in God and on him. And now I have a hope or now I have character that I'm building. I'm becoming a man of character. I'm becoming a person of honor, whatever it may be that Christ exemplifies in us. Now I have this hope, the hope of glory. I can actually, I completely believe what Christ said about my future. And I have that hope, which is solid because of the foundation that was laid from here to here. Keep getting so far away from the Bible that I have to come back and figure out where I was. Now, hope does not disappoint. That's that, that's that dark cloud above our heads. We keep thinking hope's going to disappoint. He's going to pull the rug out from under us, right? 
But it says it does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So it's like we have this manager living inside of us, managing these uh, different traits, the perseverance, the character, the hope, the love. Holy Spirit is taking care of these and managing these things and helping us to grow in them as we allow him to. And then um, I'm going to skip down to verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. I'm going to stop there for a second. It says that sin was imputed to all, as you all know. But Christ gives a gift that is for all and available to all, but this speaks of our need to take the gift. It's not a striving to get a hold of the gift. It's taking the free gift which entails setting aside our pride and accepting that we have fallen short of the glory of God and that we have the need of a Savior. It's a free gift for us. And in that receiving, we recognize that we need His grace. I can do a lot of things. I mean, I, I, have, I have fixed a lot of things in my life, cell phones, electronics, all kinds of stuff. But I came to a point in my life where I just said, this isn't enough. My ability is not enough. I've had things break too. My ability is not enough in me. This is a gift you've given me, God, but I'm asking for your grace in every aspect. When I go and I stand before him to do a project, I may know that I can do that, but when I say, you know what, God, you're more than enough inside of me. I'm going to let you work this project with me. I'm going to let you help me with this because... Maybe I can do it, or maybe I can't. I'm going to help let you help me in my weakness because I know that my, my weakness is not enough. My strength is not enough. I'm going to let your strength be inside of me. Uh, let's see. The free gift is not like the offense, for if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God, and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one man's offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the great gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. You want to reign in life? You have to receive that gift and continue to draw on it daily. That his gift of his life for us. We have to receive it daily and continue to draw on it. Because right? the sin was imputed to you all. It came, whether you wanted it or not. But this free gift is given that you might step out from under that master. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much that you have given us this free gift. Thank you so much for setting a foundation in our lives, Lord God. Thank you for setting us free and giving us the ability to think with the mind of Christ.
And Lord, revealing yourself to us more and more every day, every moment that we spend with you, God, revealing yourself in little ways and in big ways, God. We're so thankful for everything that you have poured out and that you are going to pour out. Everything that has happened and everything that, that is happening still, God, because of your presence in our lives, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for taking up habitation in us, for empowering us, letting us walk in your grace, letting us walk in the love that comes out of relationship with you and letting us look like you. God, give us the rest and peace of knowing who we are in you, God, of knowing that we are built up in who you are because of your foundation. I thank you so much for this church. I ask that you would make us disciple makers in Jesus' name. All right. Well, service this evening is still canceled. Uh, Wednesday is still canceled, I believe. Um, we will be continuing to pray for Pastor and Bunny. Um, just keep lifting them up in prayer. And thank you so much for being here today. Appreciate it. God bless you all. Thanks.